Welcome back to a Peachtree Post Live special covering the MLS Super Draft from an Atlanta United perspective. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Jason Longshore. I'm one of the managing editors at DirtySouthSoccer.com. Um, about to start the MLS Super Draft and things are already getting kicked off in a big way with the talk that Minnesota will select Abu Dunlady with the number one pick. And Atlanta will likely take Miles Robinson with the number two pick. Um, we're also live at Facebook Live um, over at facebook.com slash Dirty South Soccer um, if you want to follow there. And we're here on blogtalkradio.com slash Peachtree Post. Tons of stuff going on. Um, <laughs> so I'll be I'll be answering uh, people on Twitter at Longshoe and also people in the Facebook Live chat so you don't get confused as to what I'm talking about or what I'm reacting to. But uh, lots of things at the moment. Uh, we've had some questions since we kicked this off. Uh, Eli Goldsby on Facebook says, your preference, Ebobise or Robinson at two? Mine is Robinson. I think Robinson is the more sure offer or more sure pick at this point in the draft, I think he will be a solid MLS center back at the floor of his development and potentially a U.S. national team level center back if things go well. Um, Parker said, uh, we are shaking Chicago upside down once again for lunch money. Oh, boy. Chicago does pick number three, and they have been rumored to possibly sell their thing as well. Um Elmer, hey, Elmer, uh, joining in on Facebook, a good friend from Atlanta Eagles. Yes, this is not an easy process of uh, online radio slash simulcast on Facebook Live, but I will do my to have it all make sense. Um, MLS Super Draft, I think the things you're looking at it, coming into it, you want to pick up players that will contribute or will contribute in the future. I think you're looking at guys who are Generation Adidas, if possible, because they do not count on your salary cap for at least well for a while they're part of the program and typically that's anywhere between one to three seasons depending on how much they play uh there are three picks that most people expect to go one two and three abu dunladi jeremy ababise and miles robinson they've, they've separated themselves from the rest of the pack beyond that it's absolute chaos as to who could go where um where atlanta is concerned you can number two and number eight uh, all the trade, all the teams in the top three have been rumored to potentially trade out of those spots because there are teams further back in the draft who want to move up. Um, the talk now is that Minnesota will change course and select Abu Dunladi number one and not trade their pick, uh, while Atlanta has been rumored by Paul Tenorio of 442 to take Miles Robinson number two and not trade their pick. Then you wonder what happens with Chicago at number three, because there are going to be teams who want Ebba Bisa. <laughs> uh, Dwight Cook says, I am uh, being his tour guide into the MLS Super Draft. I hope I don't wreck this thing. I'll do my best. Um, it's going to be chaos, so just hold on. Buckle up the seatbelt for sure. Good comment from Ben Sanders on Facebook that defense wins championships. If we keep the pick, we need to go all in with Robinson. Consider this with Robinson. You know, don't expect him to be a player who the pressure will be on him straight away to play. 
he will be in a position, thanks to the other moves that Atlanta United has made in acquiring Michael Parkhurst, Zach Lloyd, Jeff Lorenowitz, and potentially Leandro Gonzalez Perez from Estudiantes, Robinson would be four or five in your depth chart. He's fine. You're not asking him to step in and play straight away. The pressure would be off. He can develop. You can also loan him out to Charleston or whoever your USL affiliate will be, which should be announced in the next week. You can loan him out to get playing time as well. That's a nice spot to be in for a player who pretty much anybody coming out of college is going to need time to develop. You don't want to put them into a position where how they play makes or breaks you straight away. Um, (laughs) Josh, sorry about that. I do have a bit of a fan by my mic. It's my laptop. I feel like it might explode with all this chaos going on. Um, For those of you on the Facebook live, sorry about that. I'm going to try to move you away a little bit. The, the laptop is not the best setup for this, but I will do my best. I apologize. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't expect any of this to be confirmed until we see it announced. So let's, let's hold tight on the Dunlady for sure to Minnesota, Robinson for sure to Atlanta stuff. Uh, looks like we're about to kick off here shortly. Reed Davis joining in. Uh, the, the commissioner, Don Garber, is at the podium. I don't have the audio up, so going to have to follow along with the rest of you guys. But we'll talk about it as it happens. But the commissioner is at the podium, and things are beginning to happen now. Uh, Jonathan Tannenwald on Twitter says that this is a historic moment. There is no booing from the crowd in Los Angeles. Don Garber is being applauded. He deserves that. Um, I'm not a fan of some of the hatred of Don Garber and how he's run this league. He is he has taken it to another level. So he does not need to be booed at the Super Draft. He needs to be applauded for the work he's done and where he's taken the league. It's a big day for Atlanta United either way, depending on, on what they do here. Uh, if you pick up a player like Miles Robinson, who could be a center back for you for 10 years plus, or if you pick up an exciting player like an Abu Dhanladi or a very good forward like a Jeremy Ababise, it's going to have an impact on what happens for Atlanta United in the long term. Also, if they make a trade, um, you're going to pick up some assets that could be used for a long time um, in terms of general allocation money, targeted allocation money, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Abu Dunladi is likely still going first. Um, stuff happening here. Uh, Jarrett is back in on my Don Garber comments uh, saying he is the least aggravating of the major commissioners. And I, I'd agree with that. I think that's a fair way to put it. I just think he's done a lot of things for the league as we go um, and helped it improve. Uh, Doug Roberson is live on the floor at the Super Draft in Los Angeles. He just tweeted out uh, former Atlanta resident Dan Cordemanch is welcoming us, and he is a good guy. I do agree with that. Dan Cordemanch, uh, here's your Atlanta soccer trivia for the day, uh, worked as an intern with the Atlanta Attack Pro Indoor team um, back in the day. Dan's been uh, a good supporter. Um, he helped Terminus Legion in the early days with a lot of information as things were coming together. And he's a, a big Atlanta soccer supporter. So having an Atlanta, former Atlanta resident in the MLS front office is a nice little bonus. So he'll be, uh, 
Cordemanche uh, was there, I think, before Don Garber stepped up. I've been on the floor for these before. Uh, I've been in the audience side of it. It's pretty chaotic because all the teams are in front of you and all the tables are in front of you. So, you know, all the stuff you expect with people running back and forth from table to table, it happens quite a bit. You'll see lots of trades being moved. Um, uh, Ivis Galarsep is chiming in with Abu Dunladi to Minnesota. That 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 is a surprise, in my opinion. Um, I think Ebabise was the better of the two from just a safe pick. Uh, Robinson's a whole different thing, and let's see where this goes. Uh, but Galarsep is also calling Don Lottie to Minnesota. Uh, if you guys are interested in calling in on Blog Talk Radio, I will get calls as I can. The number to call in is 929-477-4075. That's 929-477-4075. You can also chime in on Twitter. I'm at Longshoe, and you can chime in as well on the Facebook live stream, which is at facebook.com slash Dirty South Soccer. Andrew Thomas has a question on Facebook. Do you think Tata is angling for the U.S. men's national team job after Bruce? Bruce's time through Russia is up. I don't. Um, Tata Martino spoke recently on Paraguayan radio and said that he is looking at about six more years in his career. And I don't think he wants to take on another national team job at that point. I think there's other guys who would be ahead of him in the pecking order as well. I think Oscar Pereja would be a fine choice down the line for a U.S. men's national team manager role. I think Peter Vermes is in consideration there as well. I'd be... I'd be surprised if that fell to Tata. I think there, there could be a bit of, you know, shyness when it comes to the U S soccer federation now about going with a foreign manager. He doesn't understand the American player and the American system. Pereja is foreign, but Pereja has been involved in MLS for pretty much since it started. So he gets it as opposed to Klinsman who, yes, he was in California, but he wasn't involved like Pereja is. Uh, here we go. Um, starting today, specific dollar amounts will be disclosed in trades involving allocation money. So I would expect that we would also have a count of who has what allocation money as well. That's a big deal. That's a huge deal. Um, it helps all of us who do this to explain things better because then you'll have a sense of how things, you know, how these trades can be valued. That's huge. Um the soccer-specific stadium comment that was just made, I've noticed that it's been referred to as not a soccer-specific stadium at the Mercedes-Benz, but a stadium that has soccer in mind, which, I mean, I guess is an important way to put it. I think we get way too hung up on this terminology. I like that Atlanta has a stadium that can be expanded to 70000 as needed. Um, I like that it can be downsized as well. I think that's a smart way moving forward rather than building an 18,000 seat stadium that you outgrow quickly. I, I think that time has passed. So having these types of options to be able to go up and down is very, very important. Um, ben also mentions the San Diego Chargers playing at the StubHub Center, which will be uh, very, very interesting. But the Galaxy are supposed to have the uh, first priority on dates, which is kind of cool that NFL will take second priority to the Galaxy. Uh, Don is still talking lots of stuff, so we will 
catch up on any chatter about picks. Um, still sounds like Don Lottie, number one, Robinson, number two to Atlanta. Uh, we'll see if that changes as we get here. I am okay, perfectly fine with Miles Robinson coming to Atlanta. I've, I've said that all along. I took him in our SB Nation mock draft. I think it's important. I think it's important to get Miles Robinson and build around him for the long term. You don't have to throw him in straight away. You can let him develop. You don't want to pass up a center back that could be a rock for you for years to come. You know, you look at his resume and uh, Garov, uh, an Atlanta United fan on Twitter, just tweeted out his resume two years at Syracuse. He was the ACC Defensive Player of the Year this past season, all ACC first team member of the U-20 men's national team for the Four Nations tournament. He has scored some goals off of set pieces. He can play. He's not just a center back who's a big body. He can play the game, and that's what Tyler Martino is going to want. He also needs some time to develop. He was playing in a three-man back line at Syracuse. So there's going to be an adjustment period. There's going to be an adjustment for every player who comes in as to what Atlanta United and Tata Martino want. Uh, First round picks, you have Minnesota number one, Atlanta two, Chicago three, Houston four, Columbus five, San Jose six, Vancouver seven, Atlanta again at number eight. And there's more, and we'll, we'll get to that as it happens. Um, the talk coming in was that Portland, Colorado, New England, and Dallas were interested in trading up. And according to the people in L.A., none of that has materialized just yet. Uh, Minnesota is now on the clock, four minutes per selection. We, we had a little bit of back and forth about that, and each team has one timeout that they can take in the first two rounds. We'll see if there's any timeouts taken here early to see if uh, trades are being talked about and discussed. We see the Minnesota folks wonder if they are ready for this, if they know what they're going to do, or if they're still fielding offers. Uh Craziness. Absolute craziness. Pick is in. Paul Tenorio has it on Twitter. Abu Dunlady will be number one. And he asks, will Adrian Heath get in Dunlady what he got with Kyle Laren? That is the, the, the pros and cons of Abu Dunlady is he's been compared to a player that could be like a Kyle Laren, or he could end up playing like a Danny Mwanga who didn't cut it in the league. Um, Siggy Schmid commented on an article in MLSsoccer.com today that it could go either way. Um, it, you know, he's, he's, a, he's all in or, you know, he's nothing. It's not going to be just a solid professional, not just a decent guy. It's going to be, you know, he's a star or he's a bust. And it's risky for Minnesota with their limited roster that they have. They're going to be putting a lot on him. There was also some talk earlier today about Minnesota potentially signing a big name that nobody knows who, but a big signing at forward to pair with Christian Ramirez. If you add in uh, Abu Dunladi into that mix, either you're going to play him up top or you're going to throw him out wide. I don't think out wide is where you're going to get the best out of Dunladi, And this is the type of thing that happened with Moanga. You, you saw a player who was better as a forward thrown out wide and his development was stunted because of it. Um, who knows? We will see. Uh, Minnesota's on the clock with a minute five left. 
Maybe they're taking some last-minute calls. Uh, Stumptown Footy on SB Nation Network says Portland is really trying to get into the top three or five picks. Um, Portland's moving hard. They like Miles Robinson, uh, according to Ivis Galarsep. So let's see what happens. Like the pick is in, and Abu Dunladi is your number one selection. Lanny Knight is on the clock. Dunladi is, again, a risky number one pick. Uh, he had injury issues at UCLA. He almost signed a Generation Adidas deal last year and did not. There was talk about him going to Europe, didn't materialize. He didn't play a lot at UCLA this past year. Um, there's been a few questions about mentality. This is a big move for Minnesota because if it doesn't work, there's going to be a lot of questions thrown their way. Ebabise was, most people thought, was the safer pick. Um, Minnesota did not seem to be as interested in Miles Robinson, who should be available here for Atlanta unless they decide to trade down. I'm... I just don't know about Dunlady, their number one. It, it scares me if I'm a Minnesota fan because of the bust potential. I don't think they can afford to have a bust here at this pick. Um, Dunlady's ceiling is possibly higher than anybody else, but there's a big potential for a, a bust here. And we'll see how Adrian Heath handles him. Adrian Heath did very well with Kyle Laren and developed him into quite a talent. Adrian Heath in the past worked with Dom, Dom Dwyer in the USL. Very important. He's developed forwards. He needs to develop Abu Dunladi and not have this turn into a bust. Um, Dunladi's stock really rose at the combine because most people had him in as a number three coming in, and now he goes number one, which is uh, quite surprising. Atlanta's on the clock at number two. Uh, they're have been talk about deals being made, but most people on the floor in LA are saying that Atlanta is going to stick with the pick and take miles Robinson. Uh, then we have to ask about what happens with the eight. We have to ask what Chicago does with the number three, because there will be teams who will want to trade up and get Ebabise If Atlanta goes Robinson. Absolute chaos at the moment. So Dunlady is from the Right to Dream Academy. Um, you'll see more play, more players are in the league from the Right to Dream Academy. Uh, you'll see more in the future. That's been a very good setup, uh, bringing talent into the league. Okay, and I just saw that Ric Flair is tweeting about Atlanta United. Um, that's amazing. I <laughs> uh, can't, can't wait to yell woo after a goal this year. Uh, we'll wait till later in the in the show to do a full woo Ric Flair style. But wow, we have Ric Flair chiming in on Atlanta United goings on. Absolute nuts at this point. Um, let's see what happens. Uh, those of you on Facebook Live, are you cool with Robinson going number two if that's the case here? I'd love to hear it. If you're listening on, on a blog talk radio, please chime in on with me at Twitter at Longshoe or with the show at Peachtree Post. Would, are you comfortable with Miles Robinson as the number two? Seems like most Atlanta United fans are. Uh, lots of whoo! Here we go. Um, 
Ben says he's good with Robinson at the number two. JR loves getting Robinson at two. Lewis is with it on Robinson. I think it's smart. I think having a center back that can be a rock on your back line for years to come is, is very big here. And a generation Adidas player to do it is even better. The only thing I can, I can even speculate when it comes to Ebabise sliding is his status because he is not officially part of generation Adidas as a Nike contracted player. So all the expectation was that he would be considered just like a generation Adidas player. Maybe not. Uh, Paul Tenorio has Chicago fire traded out of the number three spot per sources working to confirm the team that's moving up. So that could be your first move up. Here we go with Atlanta United. Should be uh, Miles Robinson, number two. Okay. So Miles Robinson, number two pick. Again, we've talked about this a lot. He played in a three-man back line at Syracuse. He was one of the more promising players in the combine uh, in terms of his individual stats. You know, they do the jumping, the speed, all that great recovery speed. Um, He can pass and play out of the back. We see he has a long throw from his video package. That's another bonus. Uh, Good leaping ability. He's good in the air. He is a well-rounded center back who people have compared to potentially turning into a Steven Birnbaum or uh, Jelly Van Damme was even mentioned from the LA Galaxy. If he turns into either one of those, Atlanta has a fine pick at number two. And that's a sweet Atlanta United scarf that Miles Robinson has. I'm a fan. So you guys will have to chime in. I don't have the sound uh, on what Robinson is saying, but I'm assuming it is all the usual uh, thank yous and excitement. He is a uh, 6'1", um, 185, according to Syracuse. Reed has a good point here on the Facebook Live that defenders ramp up into MLS quicker than attackers. And Robinson's in a good spot because he's not going to have to. He's not going to be expected to play a lot of minutes straight away, especially if that Leandro Gonzalez-Perez move comes in, which is what the word out of Argentina is, is that Leandro Gonzalez-Perez, 24-year-old center back from Estudiantes in Argentina, will be joining Atlanta United and pairing up with Michael Parker as your starting center backs. You have Zach Lloyd as well in the mix. You have Jeff Lorenowitz. And now you have Miles Robinson. Robinson could be here and learn and be a spot starter, or he could go on loan and be a number one starter. Um, Good move. I like it. It's what I was calling for all along. So, you know, I hope that we're all right. But uh, Miles Robinson, you can follow him on Twitter, or at underscore Miles Robinson underscore. Definitely give him a follow. Welcome him to the ATL. Now the the talk turns to number three in Chicago. Will Chicago trade down? Chicago likes to pick up all the gam and tam you can imagine, and they've got a slew of it already. Do they trade down? Um, one of my favorite sources, Andre Sherard on Twitter, he's an MLS scout, said. Abu stays healthy. He can be a tremendous player in the league. And Miles, best center back in this draft. Great potential. 
that's that's important. Um, getting a center back that you can build around for years to come is a big deal in this league. Uh, I like it. I like it. I hope he gets some play in time, uh, probably on loan this year. Again, I don't think you have to force him. You don't have to push it. Uh, Jason Wells on Facebook asked, why didn't Minnesota get Ebabise? It's a very good question. I mean, the only thing I have right now is that status with not being Generation Adidas and affecting his potential hit on the salary cap. That's absolute speculation on my part, because otherwise I don't know why Ebabise was number one solidly until now. And now it goes to Donlati, who is a riskier pick. Higher ceiling, riskier pick in terms of, you know, the bust potential. Uh, Chris mentioned now we just need Jackson UL at number eight. Matt Doyle in his mock draft earlier today had UL slipping to eight. He is another generation Adidas player. I think he's a great fit for Atlanta United system as a number eight who can get forward. Um, You have him in the mix with Yamil Assad and Miguel Almiron as three central midfielders who can play both sides of the ball, but all have attacking ability. Um, Jarrett Smith chiming in. Portland moves to the number four pick. Houston back to the number 10. Interesting. We hadn't heard as much about teams trying to move up beyond the top three. Portland was one that was trying to move up. I wonder who they're after and who they expect will be available at four. Um, Houston gets $100,000 in allocation money, an international spot, and the number 10 pick from Portland. Portland moves up from 10 to four. I like this allocation money numbers being thrown out now. I like that. That's, that's a really good thing here. Um, Ivis Galarsep is, is very proud of his perfect two for two on the, the final mock draft that he posted this morning. He was one of the first to have Dunlady go in number one. He gets full credit for that one. And, and Robinson at two has been pretty consistent through most. And I like it. Um, we see some folks on the on the floor right now. Could we be looking at some other trades happening? Just gonna have to follow along. Chicago's at three. Chicago's on the clock. The question is, what do they do with the three? Ebabise is still out there. Other guys to look at at this point in the draft. We talked about UL. Uh, Chris Odoy Atsum has bumped up to anywhere in the top eight, according to most. Uh, most people think he's the best right back available in the draft. Um, Lalas Abubakar has bumped up as a center back. Um, big, strong, athletic, not as technical. Um, he's bumped up to number six, according to Top Drawer Soccer and Matt Doyle earlier today. Let's see what Chicago does. Do we have it? Yes, we have a trade. Chicago trades the number three overall pick to NYCFC for $250,000 of general allocation money. That's a big one. And it looks like NYCFC moved up to get Jonathan Lewis with the number three. That's a shock. What is going on with Jeremy Ebobise? That's the question right now. Wow. Jonathan Lewis, who was a late addition to the Generation Adidas class, He was added after the initial class. Um, Matt Doyle had him at number four earlier this morning in one of his final mock drafts. He's a wide attacking player. He can play up top. Um, Little more to work with there on him. He needs more development, according to most, coming into the combine. But Jonathan Lewis, 
has bumped all the way up to number four, a late generation Adidas signing, or to number three, sorry. Now, Portland is sitting on the number four pick. We wonder if they had knowledge that Ebobise was going to fall to four, if they knew the Lewis thing was going to happen, or if now they have things to, to question. Chaos. Chaos ahead of Atlanta United. Atlanta United is back on the clock at eight. Um, other forwards, this was a question in the Facebook Facebook chat. Other forwards that could be available at eight that would be worth considering or attacking players, let's say. Uh, Nick Dupai is a forward, a target forward. Um, he's listed anywhere from 10 to 15. Uh, Daniel Johnson, the kid from Louisville, and Duluth, a uh, former Georgia United player who Tony Annan Lanny United's Academy director is very familiar with Daniel Johnson has went all the way from a upper second round pick coming into the combine to a potential number eight. A little risky and I've said it all along, but he would be a player that would be known well by the Atlanta United staff. So Daniel Johnson could bump up there. Uh, Orange Schwartz on Twitter who is a great resource for Chicago Fire News from the Chicago Daily Herald, says, got a feeling that won't be the last trade for the Chicago Fire. Um, (laughs) Jarrett asks here in the Facebook chat, the Portland Timbers get Ebobise maybe, and then what do you do with Fernando Adi, who everything seems fine with Adi staying. Um, Ebobise could then develop behind. I think Ebobise could push out wide as well from the little bit I saw him in Charleston. Ah, good bit of allocation money headed to Chicago from NYCFC to get Jonathan Lewis. That's putting some pressure on uh, Mr. Lewis, number one. And for a player that was a late signing to the Generation Adidas class, it's a little bit of a surprise. Um, you know, Nobody really knew where he would come in. With that late signing, nobody really knew where he would slot into this draft and nobody had him at three no one any mock draft anywhere had jonathan lewis jumping up to number three no one had jeremy ebobise falling out of the top three this is really big when it comes to ebobise who was signed early ebobise was signed left school there were rumors of deals in europe mls signed him to make sure they didn't miss him now he has fallen out of the top three. Uh, we have Miles Robinson being interviewed uh, on the MLS soccer feed. Um, I'll let you guys chime in and let me know uh, what he has to say. Um, Jonathan Lewis, just so you know, has earned call-ups to both the Jamaican and U.S. U-20 national teams. I don't think he's tied either way yet. Ebobise falling down is, is a shock. And I, I'm going to want to hear this story after the fact as to why he is falling down. Um, you know, he signed early. Rumors of going to Europe. Didn't go to Europe. Signed with the league. Left Duke. Uh, trained with the Charleston Battery. Played some games with them. So Atlanta United would know him well. He trained with Minnesota uh, during their NASL season as well. So they would have known him well. Coming into the combine, everyone had him as the number one pick. He's still on the board at number four, which is now in Portland's lap. Big surprise uh, and a lot of questions as to why that's the case. 
We see Miles Robinson repping the A. I like it. I like it. He practiced. This is good. And I do like that scarf. Um, I would like to get one of those. See if there's anything else. Chicago has $11 billion in allocation money at this point, and we're going to have to see what they do with it. Uh, we've, we've talked about Bastian Schweinsteiger to Colorado, or to Chicago. We've talked about um, Andres Guardado now possibly going to Chicago. Uh, Guillermo Rivera at Fire Conf, F-I-R-E-C-O-N-F, is another great follow when it comes to the fire. He said, Chicago gets 250000 in general allocation money for a player that could have been a homegrown player with more time in the academy. Tons of allocation money in Chicago. Garber's back at the podium. We'll see what direction he goes in now. Uh, Portland clock at four. Portland moved $100,000 in allocation money international slot and the number 10 pick to Houston for the number four, and they get Jeremy Ababise. Jeremy doesn't look very happy. Um, he has to be you know, a little surprised at this point as to falling down to four, but going to Portland is a good fit for him. As uh, Jarrett threw in the Facebook live chat, you know, he's got Fernando Adi to develop behind. Um, he will also be able to fit in wide, I think, in Portland's system as a wide attacking forward, similar to, you know, Darren Maddox and, and others we've seen in Portland over the years. Uh, still, I want to hear the story as to why he fell from one to four. Um, let's see what else is on the board at this point and see what will happen at number five. Now, number five is uh, Columbus on the board and we'll see what happens with them. Could they trade down? Because teams are, are really looking to make some moves. Uh, Doug Roberson has a picture of Tata Martino, Darren Eels and Miles Robinson holding up the Atlanta United Jersey. Very cool. As we get through the, the Atlanta picks, we'll be able to dig deeper into some chat, and I'd love to have some of you guys uh, chime in on Twitter, chime in on the Facebook Live, and potentially call in here on the Blog Talk Radio Show at 929-477-4075. Uh, you can call in and give your opinions. We'll take some calls after uh, Atlanta United makes their second pick or trades it. Um, Josh said he doesn't look upset. He seems overwhelmed. Yeah, that's probably a better way to put it. Uh, just surprising, I think, is the biggest thing because he was the consensus number one coming into this, and he was with the U20s, came into the combine late, played well in his one one day of games in the combine, and has fallen down the charts. Uh, very surprising. Very, very surprising. And I'm sure there'll be some some chatter as to why that happened later on today. I'll be very curious to see. Uh, it is uh, going to be an odd numbered year. So Portland should be good at this point. Um, that's what they do. They're better in the odd numbered year. So this should be a big year for Portland and, and Jeremy Ebobisa. 
Uh, Josh says he'd rather go to Portland than the potential dumpster fire in Minnesota. Uh, true, you know, Ababise might have wanted to come to Atlanta or Chicago, which is another potential dumpster fire. But Portland traded up. Looks like they traded up with some knowledge that Lewis was going to go at three and they could get Ababise at four, um, or they were fine with taking either one, or, or maybe they had a contingency plan. Who knows? Columbus is on the board now. We'll see where they go. Uh, Columbus had a, a really poor season last year. Originally coming in, Jackson UL was was slated as a potential number five pick to Columbus, and he'd be a good fit to learn behind Higuain. Um, in some of the last mock drafts, Chris Adoy Atsum was, was slotted at number five. And I'm trying to see if there's another number five pick anywhere. Number six, you've got Lalas Abubakar. So, we're going to see where what's, what direction Columbus goes in here. They have a few different needs. I think UL makes a lot of sense for Columbus based off adding more depth behind Iguain, who doesn't have very long left. Uh, Chris on Facebook says, being a Nike signee, Portland makes a ton of sense. He will be close to there. Uh, ben says one of UL, Odoy Atsum, Johnson, or Abubakar will be there at eight. I, I think you can you can slot Abubakar out of that. I don't think you'll take two center backs, and you can right now because he just went number five, which is surprising in my book because he's not a generation Adidas. He is. He had a good combine. He moved up the charts from being a mid-range first-round pick to a number five pick with Columbus. Uh, Columbus does have a whole center back after Michael Parkhurst uh, left via free, not free agency, but left uh, to come to Atlanta. Um, Lalas Abubakar, 6'2 center back, very athletic, not as technical. Uh, I wonder if he'll fit into Greg Berhalter's system in that way. Still have to, to work on that side of his game. There you go. Um, comments on Abubakar to... <laughs> comments to Abubakar to Columbus. Uh, I'd love to hear I'm here on Twitter at Longshoe on Facebook Live at Facebook.com slash Dirty South Soccer. Uh, and we'll take some calls after Atlanta United makes their next pick, which is right now still at number eight. <laughs> Terminus Legion is taking more Adderall to keep up with all this. I uh, am with you on that. I think I'm going to need some more caffeine before the end of the show. Uh, as Ben mentioned, so now we're going into number six, six, seven, and eight. You have these options on the board right now. Jackson UL, who I think is a great, great fit for Atlanta United system if he's available at eight, Generation Adidas. Um, you have Chris Odoy Atsum, the best right back in the draft. Athletic, speed, he can get forward well. He's a, a solid 1v1 defender. His stock rose at the Combine. He's slotted anywhere between five and seven, according to most mock drafts. Uh, Odoi Atsum could be available. Uh, others in that spot, Daniel Johnson is bumped all the way up to eight, nine. The left winger from Duluth, who is an inverted winger, cut inside, high soccer IQ, which is a great fit for Tata Martino's system. You need smart players to fit here. He'd be a nice pickup 
for Atlanta, even though you have to wonder why it took him so long to develop in college. He went from two years at Maryland, struggled, two years at Louisville. He was an all-ACC third-team player this past year and lit it up at the Combine. He would be a known quantity to Atlanta United. He played under Tony Annan at Georgia United. Um, you'd have other coaches in the system who would know Daniel Johnson well. Chris uh, Ashley asked me, who would you want most out of those three? It'd be Jackson UL right now. Uh, San Jose is on the clock, and Vancouver picks ahead of Atlanta. If those three are available, I would want Jackson UL as my pick at number eight. I think he would be a great attacking central midfield option in Tata Martino's midfield triangle. I think Daniel Johnson would be my next choice because high IQ, he'd be known. He's a two-way winger. He can cut inside. Lots of good attributes for Atlanta United's system in Daniel Johnson. Odoi Atsum would be a little bit lower on my list. I think you can get better options at outside back to back up Mark Bloom, to back up Greg Garza. You have Mikey Ambrose there already. You have center backs who can slide out and cover if needed. I wouldn't take it. I wouldn't use a pick here on Odoi Atsum. I would want the Generation Adidas player, Jackson UL, if he's available. The Generation Adidas tag is very, very important. And Josh asks, who's left, who left is a Generation Adidas, Adidas player? UL is the best Generation Adidas player left, in my opinion. You also have Shamit Shom, the Canadian Generation Adidas central midfielder, who no one knows where to slot him into this draft. Uh, the forward, Adonijah Reed, their Canadian Generation Adidas signing. Uh, Matt Doyle had him at number 19. That's it. Jackson UL is the one who makes the most sense. Um, absolutely would love to see him in an Atlanta United uniform. I think he'd be a great fit. And there he goes <laughs> as I turn my head and see Chris Cash uh, Ashley say no. Jackson UL goes to San Jose. Uh, San Jose Earthquakes are very smart with taking Jackson UL right there. Okay, so now I can stop raving about Jackson UL and Atlanta United system, and we can look at what's next. Uh, what's next, in my opinion, is Daniel Johnson. Uh, wild cards here. Ja'Cory Hayes, who seems to have fallen off the map based off his combine performance, which – it's sad to me that you would throw his uh, four years at Wake Forest out and <laughs> go based off of a week in a combine, but Ja'Cory Hayes seems to have fallen down. I don't think I'd take him at eight. Uh, if you really want him, you could probably trade down and still get him. Uh, Shom, nobody knows where to go. At one point, he was a number eight uh, pick in some mock drafts. He's all over the place. Some people now don't even have him being picked in the first round. Daniel Johnson is the one with local ties, which would make him very appealing. Uh, some other wild cards, uh, Zeko Lewis had a very strong combine, another attacking winger. Um, other right back options besides Odoi Atsum, you have Reagan Dunk, who slipped in the combine. Uh, you have Colton Storm, who stock rose in the combine. And you have Jacob Nerwent. But those guys are mostly in the 10 to 20 range. So you might be reaching if you take them at eight. If that's who you want, then you might want to trade down. But Daniel Johnson is probably the biggest 
wild card here at this point. Um, Johnson was not expected to be – we'd be talking about it number eight. Eli mentions on Facebook, uh, guys to look at at eight. He said Lewis, Odoy Atsum, uh, Ja'Cory Hayes, Brandon Aubrey at center back. I don't think you take another center back with Miles Robinson already in the fold. So that would rule out Aubrey. That would rule out um, – well, Abubakar's already been selected. Uh, it would really rule out Aubrey, who I liked as a backup if he didn't go Robinson. Eli asks if I'd trade down here. Uh, it really depends on what you're prioritizing. If you like Daniel Johnson enough right now, you can take the risk because you have Miles Robinson as your, your steady, your steady pick. You know, he should be safe. If you want to take a risk with your number eight, you can do it. You can, you can eat the cost if it doesn't work out or if it takes longer to, to work out. You don't need this pick at number eight to play day one. You can take a Johnson and, and build his confidence and work with him and improve his ability. You could take a right back in an Odoy Atsum or Dunk or Storm, or Nerwinski, and develop them in the system. You could go with Zako Lewis as a winger who would be a good fit. Um, not sure how good he would be on the left wing would be the question. Uh, ben has a good point here on the Facebook that, and Chris does as well, about maybe trying to get an international slot in a trade. Uh, that's something Atlanta United will need more than likely is picking up another international slot. And there's Jacob Nerwinski at number seven. That's a surprise. Nerwinski was number 16 in Matt Doyle's last mock draft. He jumps all the way to seven. A good combine. Got a lot of attention. So now let's, let's talk about number eight because this is where we're at. We see some people in the Facebook chat wanting to trade down here uh, to either get allocation money, get an international slot. Uh, I wouldn't mind getting another first-round pick if you can bump down to 12, 13, 14, somewhere in that range. The guys available that make a lot of sense here for Atlanta United, you have Chris Odoy, Atsum, Reagan Dunk, and Colton Storm as right-back options. You have Daniel Johnson, Nico Hansen, and Zeko Lewis as wing options. You have Nick Dupai as a forward option. You have Ja'Cory Hayes as a central midfield option along with Shemit Shom. Shom and Reed are Generation Adidas players. Reed's a forward. I don't think he would be a pick here at eight. Um, <laughs> everybody is uh, it's talking about what to potentially trade in the Facebook chat. So let's see if there's any chatter out there about Atlanta trading down. Haven't seen any lately. Um, there was some talk coming in that the number eight pick could be traded down as well. So anything can happen here. This is very, very interesting to see Nerwinski go at seven. I didn't expect that. Uh, Curtis Larson in Toronto said that uh, Toronto FC had him high on their board. So this is where you get into the point where teams have different opinions on these guys. You have you have guys who college players, sometimes it's hard for scouts to, to translate their ability to the pro game. And this is where you start to get into players fitting systems. So there's some players who would be good picks at number eight in a vacuum who are not a good pick for Atlanta United at this point in the draft. So keep that in mind. It's not just about best player available here. Uh, it's about either 
adding pieces if you trade or adding a player who can fit into Tata Martino's system. Um, Champagne Soccer says that Jesse Marsh has approached Chicago's table again. So uh, keep an eye on some moves there. Chicago is back on the board at 11. Okay, anything else here? Uh, Houston has moved up to the – or they've got the number 10. Sorry, they got the number 10 from Portland. I thought we had another trade. Uh, Doug Robertson of the AJC just tweeted, before you ask, Miles Robinson knows Migos are from Atlanta and that, that it has a great rap scene. We like Miles Robinson already. Um, we'll see how he feels about Waka Flocka, and we'll see how he feels about some of the older school stuff, like some footy mob, uh, goody mob. Sorry, I'm just down to saying footy mob at this point. Outcast and the rest. Um, we'll see what Miles Robinson's uh, rap game is like. Very, this is going to be very important for an Atlanta United player. All right. Haven't seen any moves on the, the board for number eight, so it looks like Atlanta's going to stick with it. Travis Clark, an expert on the youth and college game from Top Door Soccer, said that was not a good pick, Vancouver. Interesting. Um, at Goal USA, uh, Paul Tenorio also confirms that Minnesota is making a push for Kevin Molino from Orlando, which is not a surprise. Adrian Heath had him before, so we'll see where that goes. Uh, Chris asks, how does, uh, Miles Robinson feel about Ric Flair? That's an important question. Um, sorry, I have more water on the way cause I'm going to need it. I can already feel my throat going. So I'm going to make, make myself a water while we're waiting on Atlanta's pick. Atlanta's on the clock at number eight right now. It's water. Everybody who's watching on Facebook live, just water. Although we'll see how this pick goes and I need to go to the harder stuff. If it's me, if, if I'm the one making this pick right now with, with what's on the board available, man, I would really be tempted to trade down because I would still feel fine with getting any of Ja'Cory Hayes, Chris Adoyatsum, Reagan Dunk, uh, Daniel Johnson, Colton Storm, Zeko Lewis. I would feel good about getting any of those options. So I would potentially trade down here to keep them in the mix and pick up some assets. Not sure who's wanting to trade up. Oh, and here we go. And we went completely in a different direction. Uh, Julian Gressel from Providence, midfielder, who, again, was another guy who was kind of all over the map in terms of mock drafts. That was not expected. I didn't expect it. Uh, JR, it's true. I do have two of the orange scarves. Julian Gressel. I'm going to pull up drafts and we'll talk about where he could get or where he was projected to go but number eight was not where people expected Julian Gressel to go it's not necessarily a bad thing but Julian Gressel at number eight is Atlanta United player so we'll be taking your calls and comments what do you think about what Atlanta United's done in the first round Miles Robinson and Julian Gressel are now part of Atlanta United uh question about if Gressel is an international player he is German so he would be an international player uh, he played with clubs in Germany before coming to Providence uh, Matt Doyle had him at number 14 thank you Corey for the heads up on 
uh, Facebook Live. Eli Goldsby asks, Donnie Toya for Julian Gressel. Thoughts on this? Wow, too early to say. Um, Gressel was not what was expected at number eight. And international player, not what was expected at number eight. Makes you wonder if there's other international spots coming and or players who are currently sitting in international slots being loaned out or traded to open a spot. Uh, Josh, could he be loaned out? Absolutely, he could be loaned out. Um, <laughs> Reed says, instead of getting an international slot, we're using one. Yes, this is this is true. Uh, again, could be loaned out. Could be loaned out. Give me one sec as I get everything ready here. Uh, looks like I'm going to have a call here shortly. Um, JR with a good point. Fit the most urgent team need. I like it. I don't care. We picked at eight, a 14-level guy. We didn't have a later pick. These sound like guys to keep and play and progress. Good points there by JR. And that's what you're, you're looking for out of this. Atlanta United in a lucky spot where they don't have to pick players that are going to play straight away. They can pick guys that you can develop. Um, here's what Matt Doyle had to say about Gressel, where he had him at 14 in his last mock draft. Um, he mentioned te- few teams spending an international slot on a draft pick uh, in Kansas City, where he had it going would be one. Doyle feels like Gressel projects best as a central midfielder, but he can also play on the wing as, as and as a number nine. So he adds depth in all of those spots. Uh, important when you're building a roster and important to have a player who can fill depth in your central attacking mid, which right now you have Miguel Almiron and you have Yamil Assad depth on the wing where you have right now, Jacob Peterson, where you have Tito Vishalba, where you have Andrew Carlton. Chris mentions that one of the guys said he likes him as a nine. This is where you're getting into guys who you don't know where they really project at the next level. And we're just going to have to see with Gressel where that is. He is 6'1", 185. He would be a big winger. He'd be a big central mid. He's about right for a center forward. You do have two number nines already in Kenwin Jones and Brandon Vasquez. So you wonder where Gressel fits. Maybe you loan him out and let him develop. So the worry about the international slot might not be there with this one. And and two, keep in mind that Jeffrey Atu and Romario uh, Williams could be loaned out as well. Uh, we see Nico Hansen going number nine to Columbus now. We're gonna we'll keep in keep up with the draft as it goes, but this is an Atlanta United show, so we're gonna talk mostly about Atlanta. Um We'll see if Atlanta makes any trades and tries to get back into the first round. There hadn't been any any thought to that happening, but really anything goes at this point in the draft. So I think there's going to be lots of trades all around, and we're just going to have to see where they happen. Uh, for some other nuggets on Gressel, that one caught me by surprise a little bit. Uh Four years at Providence, played 83 games, scored 30 goals. His best goal-scoring year was his last one, 2016, where he scored 15 goals and nine assists or six assists in 21 games. He uh, played one season at TSV Neustadt Eich in Germany, where he scored three goals and had 12 assists. 
Um, prior to that, he played a season for FC Eintracht Bamberg, where he scored a goal and had 10 assists. Um, so this is a player, not a typical college player. He has professional academy experience in Germany. And uh, we'll see where Gressel fits. I'm going to take a call right now. I think I know who it is. From the 404, is this John Nelson? Uh, yes, from the 17th Fairway on uh, the St. Joe's uh, Bay Country Club course here just near Port St. Joe's, Florida, as I put my golf cart to rest. Nice. Uh, did you see the picks, and what do you think about, about Robinson and Gressel being the newest Atlanta United players? Well, let's go backwards. Uh, my first thought is that Gressel is either an asset or an overseas stash, and I'm still waiting because of all of the chaos that has happened earlier in the day where the draft is concerned. If someone didn't say, hey, we want Dressel and we'll, we'll trade assets further on down the line. Um, and then obviously with Robinson, no complaints, but to your point that you've been making so far on the air, uh, what was the question having to do with Brady Klinebobise? And, uh, that is going to be the the larger question going forward. Yeah, I think that's the story of the draft is Ebabise coming into the combine at number one and coming out of the draft at number four, which which no one expected. And, you know, you you have to – you wonder, and then you had NYCFC trading up to get the guy that they wanted that wasn't Ebabise, and so – you know, there's there's a lot of action at play. And then, you know, with Robinson, you can let him develop. You can let him watch. You can let him be one, two, or three off the bench, depending on the situation. So I would say home run with the number two selection, and I'm still of the wait-and-see crowd right now at number eight with this uh, the off-the-wall pick that's, uh, that's a Providence prospect. Yeah, good points. Um, I'm going to let you go. The Facebook folks can't hear you, unfortunately. And uh, we'll see what happens next. But All right. Interesting moves. Translate Thanks for calling. We'll catch up. up. All Bye-bye. right. See you soon. Bye. All right. Yeah, Facebook folks, sorry you couldn't catch that. Um, I don't have a full board of being able to punch stuff in just yet. Uh, one of these days, it will happen. Uh, not just yet. So let's catch up on the Facebook comments. Um Daniel Monroe, thanks for joining in. Daniel, what do you think of the Gressel pick uh, with the Maryland right back out there and Johnson out of Louisville both still available? It depends on where they're they're thinking Gressel will play. Uh, as some mentioned, he you know they see him best as a number nine. I think that's a lesser position of need for Atlanta United. Um, if that's where they see him, I wonder if there's thoughts about loaning Brandon Vasquez out or loaning Gressel out. I, I don't know. I think there's a lot of wait and see with Gressel. Uh, as John mentioned in the call, and you guys on Facebook couldn't hear it, Gressel could be a move where Atlanta picked him to trade him to somebody further down the line after the fact. And that's happened plenty of times in MLS drafts. So let's, let's see if that comes into fruition here, where Gressel is a piece to be moved later. Um, it has happened. Really no knowledge of that being in the works just yet. But at this point, anything is really fair game right now. Uh, Janusz Mahalik, um, ESPN, Fox Sports, Sirius XM, uh, said that Atlanta United is killing this first-year thing. So 
So lots of praise for these these moves that are happening so far. And he would know the uh, Northeast soccer scene pretty well, if I'm not mistaken. He's, he's based up that way. Uh, Rob says Atlanta took the international spot request to literally. Yes, I think so. Uh, Eli says trade back in and get at some. I see. I don't know if I'm, I'm necessarily tied to Odoy Atsum being the best right back in the draft. Uh, Andre Sherrard, one of my my contacts and and scouts who follows the college game real closely, said that. I think Reagan Dunk and Colton Storm are also possibilities as right backs who could be a, a nice benefit for Atlanta United if they traded back in. Uh, Johnson's the wild card still. Nobody knows where he's going to end up. Um, I mean, going from outside of the first round to a possible, well, not top 10 now, but a possible high pick, that's very surprising. Uh, We see Joe Holland is another player who's moved up the board a lot. Houston just took him at number 10 with the pick that they acquired from Portland in that swap. Holland was another one of the players who had a great combine and and moved up. we're back to Chicago number 11, and there was some talk that the Red Bulls might be trying to get into this. So, you know, you've heard enough of me at this point as to what I think about these picks. I'd love to hear from you guys. If you're, you're on the Facebook Live, let me know what you think of the Miles Robinson and Julian Gressel picks. Let me know if you think they should have went in a different direction. Uh, let me know what you think about Jeremy Abbebise sliding down to number four. That's that's still the biggest surprise of the draft to me, and that was something that, that John also said on the call as well. Uh, Abbebise falling is the biggest shock to me at this point. You know, Maybe an outside of Atlanta United not trading one of those picks. I think a lot of people expected that to happen, and we didn't see that. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. If you're on the Facebook Live, throw it in the comments. What do you think about Robinson and Gressel? If you're listening on Blog Talk Radio, uh, you can chime in on Twitter at Longshoe or at Peachtree underscore post um, with your thoughts on those picks. And if you want to call in, um, you can call in at 929-477-4075, and I'll get you on the Blog Talk Radio show. Daniel asks, uh, when do you think trading up to get the goalkeeper out of Monmouth is a good value. And do you think he's a starting level goalkeeper anyway? I don't think he's a starting level goalkeeper anytime soon. So if, if I was from an Atlanta perspective, I would not be going after that. I think you already have Tambacus who's further along in his development as a young goalkeeper for the future. I wouldn't go, uh, I wouldn't go there. I wouldn't go after um, the goalkeeper out of Monmouth. And there's a couple other goalkeepers that are also in the mix. Uh, Pharrell from Wake Forest is the one that I probably like the best at this point. Uh, Corey chimes in, Ebabise fall could be as simple as not being GA. I want clarification on that from the league because there was talk that he would be considered just the same as a GA, even though he can't technically be GA because of his Nike deal. I, it would just be strange because to sign him early the way they did and then not really protect his status is, is crazy. Josh says we don't need another goalkeeper if Guzan is coming. And according to Stuart Holden, I think the Guzan possibility is a lot better than you think. There goes Daniel Johnson, number 11 to Chicago. You know, could Chicago trade him? Anything's possible with Chicago. Johnson, a member of the Chicago Fire. 
quite a move for him, you know, coming in into the combine really with no expectations to going number 11 in the draft. Uh, great job for the local guy from Duluth. Uh, I hope he can have a, a good career and maybe find his way to Atlanta one day. Uh, Daniel says he loves the Miles Robinson pick. Uh, thinks he can be a Matt Hedges type, who is another player he's been compared to. Good all-around center back with a year of seasoning. Player I wanted all, all the way. I agree. He's definitely the player that I wanted at number two if you didn't trade it. So I think he made the most sense there. Uh, he made the most sense for what Atlanta United needs short and long term. I think he's a player that you can develop and you don't have to rush. I think if you took really anyone else there, there would be different expectations. With Robinson, there's not. So I like it. Gressel is definitely more of the wild card um, as to what that pick means and, and where it can go. I'm going to check some of the other uh, mock drafts ahead of the first round to see more comments on Gressel and kind of where he was projected. Um, Corey said, uh, going to Chicago is like going to the Cleveland Browns. Ouch. Uh, also not arguing with that either. So, oy, boy, no bueno. Um, Daniel says, Jeremy was not at the top of the way in the early mock drafts that were out this time last year. Well, and and this is what I'll say to that, Daniel, is the, the mock drafts that are a year out are a waste of time. You, you can't project things that far out. All the mock drafts from the end of the college season till today had Ebabise number one. You know, Ebabise really jumped into the scene over the summer with the U-20s. He had a good year last year at Duke. He had a great run with the U-20s and became top of mind for people moving forward. So from the time he signed, he was considered the number one. Uh, for him to fall to number four is a surprise. For Jonathan Lewis to jump into the number three spot is a surprise. I'm going to see if we have any other uh, mock drafts I can pull up quickly as to uh, Gressel's expectation coming in because eight is high for him. Um, it'd be simply a matter of fitting a need for Atlanta United as opposed to anything other than that. So <laughs> the mock draft that Ivis Galarsep had his final one that was posted last night or this morning had Julian Gressel going number 22. So 22 to eight, um, Matt Doyle had him at 14 to eight. I'm going to check top drawer soccer as well. Not saying it's a bad pick. Don't get me wrong here. Cause this is where you're getting more into fit than, than where they fall on a board. But a little surprising that Gressel was the guy, and I'll be curious to hear the, the comments as to where Atlanta United sees him fitting moving forward. Um, that's the biggest question I have is what position are they looking at for Gressel? Daniel says Gressel seemed to be viewed as a very good prospect. The international slot hurt value for sure, and I think it, it's a question for Atlanta in terms of how they manage that because international slots will be at a premium here. Um, scrolling through the top drawer soccer list. And you had Gressel at 19. He signed a senior deal. Um, 
contingent on where he's picked. So I wonder what the salary cap hit will be for him. He will be on your cap. Uh, top drawer said his contract status could see him slide or Gressel could end up going in the top 10. Um, versatile player. Again, his versatility is probably one of the biggest things going for him at this point. And his, his background of coming up in a professional academy setup as opposed to strictly a college product, um, that helps. Uh, as Corey mentions, Odoi Atsum is still on the board, surprisingly. Uh, Peter asks, is, do you think anyone gets traded after the fact? I think it's always a possibility, and we've seen it happen in pretty much every MLS Super Draft. Players getting traded after the fact. Uh, oh, did we have our first timeout of the draft? This is exciting. DC United calling a timeout, I guess, to take an offer. Uh, good times. Um, ben says, maybe now we have Byron, have Byron Charleston with our loaner internationals. I don't understand. Um, we will have an option for players to be loaned out, and it looks like we have uh, Julian Gressel now on the live stream. Uh, on MLSsoccer.com. I'm going to let you guys check that out and see what he has to say. Let's see if we have any other chatter in the the Twitter sphere of what could be next. And then we'll recap. So, Ivis, after the Gressel pick, uh, Ivis Galarsep on Twitter at Soccer by Ives, said Provident Star was a goal machine in 2016, excellent attacking skills. Um, again, the question is, you know, does he project as a forward or does he project as a winger is really the, the number one thing here. Any other comments on Mr. Gressel? Um, and we'll recap where Atlanta United sits because that's what's important to me moving forward is now thinking depth charts and, and the whole roster and what could happen. Uh, and that's where it's a little tricky on, on Gressel as to where he fits. Uh, <laughs> um, at analysis evolved, just tweeted surest thing Atlanta United is ready to splash the cash. They gave Gressel a scarf and a hat. Most teams didn't give a hat as well. Uh, that's that mucha plata for you right there. We have hats. Very nice. Um, all right. Let's reboot. Let's reboot where we're at. We have our two picks from Atlanta United. We don't have any word on the board that another move is in play. So we are expecting this is what Atlanta United will do for the first round unless something crazy happens. We have the Brad Guzan issue with him potentially not being available until the summer. Uh, Stuart Holden tweeted earlier before the draft that if Middlesbrough can sign a replacement for Guzan, that they would be willing to let him go on a free, which would mean he would not be a designated player, which would mean that Atlanta would bring him in to start the season. Otherwise, you have Alec Kahn and Alec Tambakis as your goalkeepers. Um, <laughs> Jared is on the uh, Canadian GA uh, Shemit Shome and wanting to move up and grab him uh, as a player to be off your books. If you can, you can throw some game or Tam around and get Shome. It's not a bad idea. He wouldn't be an international player due to his Canadian GA status. 
Okay, so look at the back line. We've talked goalkeeper. We know kind of where that sits right now. It looks like Atlanta United feels comfortable in getting Brad Guzan ahead of the season and will, fingers crossed, that Middlesbrough can sign a replacement. Okay, so that means right now, going into the season, you have left-back options of Greg Garza and Mikey Ambrose with Mike Bloom also able to slot over to that side. Center back options. You now have Miles Robinson in the mix, but you have Michael Parkhurst, you have Zach Lloyd, you have Jeff Lorenowitz, and the potential addition of Estudiante center back Leandro Gonzalez Perez, who would start if he is added. He would more than likely be a targeted allocation money signing. I don't think he would be a, gener- uh, a designated player. Uh, Od- Odoy Atsum just went number 12 to DC United. Uh, Daniel says Shom had a really bad combine talk that he's nowhere near ready for MLS playing time. Surprising because of what he did at NASL. And again, this is where I, I don't like overvaluing the combine of a week of playing with unfamiliar teammates compared to the, the work they did. Um, Shom was heralded for his work with FC Edmonton in the NASL last year, playing 26 games. That's a higher level than most of the players coming out of college. So, I got nothing on it. I don't know. We'll see what happens with Shemit Shom and the Canadian Generation Adidas uh, process. So back to the roster, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this as the roster is really starting to come into shape now. We do have enough players for a scrimmage, so we can be happy about that. Um, So back line, outside backs. Let's Let's put them in position groups. Outside backs, Greg Garza, Mark Bloom, Mikey Ambrose. Those are your outside back options at the moment. You have some guys who can slide out and play in the on the outside. Zach Lloyd would be one. Chris McCann would be another. But true outside backs, those three. Ambrose, Bloom, and Garza. Center backs, you have Parkhurst, Lloyd, Robinson, with a potential addition from Argentina in Gonzalez Perez. That's four. Gonzalez Perez would be five probably pretty safe because you have McCann and Lorenowitz who can, or you have McCann who can drop back. Um, Eli says he wanted Odoy at some would have been a nice right back. I think Mark Bloom's going to surprise people. Mark Bloom had some injury trouble and that lost his spot in Toronto, but he did played very well for Toronto FC and given the, the opportunity, I think he'll be fine as you're starting right back in MLS. Um, Midfield triangle at the six, the defensive midfield spot, you have Chris McCann, you have Kevin Kratz, you have Jeff Lorenowitz, uh, Harrison Heath as well. As the more box-to-box or attacking options, you have the guys we just mentioned, along with Miguel Almiron and possibly Julian Gressel. Um, Out wide, you have Romario Williams and Jeffrey O'Toole sliding back from forward. You have Tito Vishalba. You have Jacob Peterson. You have Andrew Carlton. And then up top, you have Brandon Vasquez. You have Kenwin Jones. You have O'Toole and Williams. Uh, also, Chris Goslin would be projected as a, a number eight, maybe as a six, but I think more likely as an eight as a box-to-box. Uh, how do you feel about this depth chart as it sits right now? What do you see as the biggest needs? Uh, Yamil Assad as well, I'm sorry. Yamil Assad as a central attacking midfield option, either as an 8 or a 10. He can play wide as well. So you have flexibility with him. 
what do you think about this depth chart? What do you think Atlanta United needs to make it better? Uh, what do you think they should do with their third designated player signing? And what do you think they should do with all of this mountain of targeted allocation money that they are supposedly sitting on? That's what I'm waiting to see now that we're announcing how much uh, is being done in trades. Are we going to get a running total of teams, TAM and GAM? Because that would help you know what they have to work with. Daniel says he's really happy with Bloom and Garza, needs another guy for depth and rotation. You do have Ambrose. You have guys who can fill roles. I agree. I would like to see another outside back option. Um, Chris Clutie is one that we've talked about quite a bit, who has Atlanta ties. He can play on either side and even pinch into the middle when necessary. Uh, Chris Clutie is out there and can be signed as a free agent. Uh, he would be worth a look, in my opinion. I think he needs the right coach to get the most out of him, and I think Tata Martino can be that coach for him. So I'd love for you guys to chime in on the Facebook Live with your thoughts on Atlanta United's roster as it sits at the moment. Uh, you can also, if you are listening on Blog Talk Radio, you can chime in on the Twitter at Longshoe or at Peachtree underscore post, just as Joseph May did, where he said we need another outside back. Um, you can also call in. I'd like to take a couple calls if you guys are up for it. 929-477-4075. Uh, you can call in on the Blog Talk Radio stream, 929-477-4075. Uh, Daniel chimes in on Facebook. Assad and Almiron are very creative, but don't seem like big-time goal scorers. I want a goal-scoring winger because I don't know if Jones and Tito can carry the scoring load with just them. That's a good point. It's something I've been talking about for feels like a month or so now. You have Assad who can score. You have Almiron who can score. You have Vishalba who can score. They're not necessarily goal scorers. Peterson, same thing. Can score, not a goal scorer. So you're putting a lot of pressure on Kenwin Jones to score all of your goals. It's not really a situation you want to be in. You would like to see a left winger at this point, because I don't think you brought in Assad to sit. You'd like to see a left winger who can score goals. Uh, there's Reagan Dunk picked. I'm glad to see him go higher than some people were thinking. I think uh, Dunk's combine might have dropped him a little bit, and people had him as a Keegan Rosenberry clone coming in. So left wing is an option for adding another goal scorer. Uh, Darwin Quintero has been thrown around, but looks like San Jose could be in the mix for him. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I think another goal scorer who can fit into the starting lineup of that 4-1-4-1 type of look is important because you're going to have to take some pressure off of the forwards. Uh, ben asks, any candidates for scoring wingers in allocation if we don't stick with Guzan? Uh, no problem, Daniel. Thanks for, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. Um, scoring wingers in allocation. Oh, boy. Let's pull up the list and we'll discuss it. I think they're going to stick with Guzan. Let's, uh, let's not get too twisted. I think they're going to stick with Brad Guzan in allocation and that's that's just that's the direction it's going to go if for some reason they don't and they look at a different option using the top spot in the allocation order let 
goal scoring wingers. Uh, you could play Deshaun Brown wide. Really, no talk about him coming back. Uh, there's Julian Green. Um, no talk of him coming on loan. There's Johnson. Uh, no talk of that one. Not necessarily a goal scoring winger either. Um, <laughs> you see, uh, Mr. Christian Pulisic. Don't see that one happening, but you never know. Um, Rubio Rubin can play out wide. Um, Adolfo Valencia can play out wide. Yeah, not a ton of options as goal-scoring players to the allocation. And anyway, I think Brad Guzan is going to be your guy. So you're looking at a transfer move to add in. Um, <laughs> yes, Corey says, uh, eye on the ball, no need to reinvent the wheel. The Guzan thing, if if he's not going to be available till the summer, definitely throws in questions as to do you go in a different direction. But from Stuart Holden's comments, I think it's a lot closer to Guzan being available to start the season as opposed to not. Um, so you're looking at other options. You're looking at other signings. There, you know, the one that to me makes the most sense, uh, unless you're going to throw Yamil Assad wide is Darwin Quintero, even though we're talking about anywhere from a 3 to $10 million transfer plus a salary of 2 to $4 million. That's kind of the ballpark we're talking. They can do it. San Jose's in the mix for him. Um, I think there's also other teams in the mix uh, overseas as well. There goes Colton Storm to Sporting Kansas City, another right back. Looks like our run on right backs has started. Um, we also have Atlanta United tweeting their pictures of their front office staff. You have uh, Tata, Carlos Bocanegra, Darren Eels, Paul McDonough, and Jorge Thieler, um, Tata's lead assistant at the draft. We'll see if they're going to try to move up for anybody. I wonder if there's anybody they have an eye on maybe trying to trade up for. So what options could you go if you try to make a signing at left wing or central mid? Outside of Quintero, there really hasn't been anybody linked to Atlanta. Um, you have Tata and Thieler and Dario Salas connections in South America. Is there a player they could get out of there um, like Gonzalez Perez? Yeah, absolutely. Um one that was mentioned was Cecilio Dominguez, but it looks like he's headed to Club America from Cerro Porteño in Paraguay rather than MLS. Uh, there was no mention of him coming to, to MLS. He was a player that Tata Martino said impressed him on Paraguayan radio. So we'll see. The third designated player is probably the biggest wild card left on the scene in uh, – what happens with Atlanta United's roster. But I want to hear from you guys what you think about Atlanta United's roster as it stands right now. What moves are you happiest about? What moves worry you the most? And what do you think they should do between now and opening day to make the squad better? Uh, chime in here on Facebook Live. Chime in on Twitter at Longshoe. And also chime in if you're up for it on the Blog Talk Radio call-in stream, 929-477-4075. Love to hear from you guys and uh, what you're thinking, how you feel about Atlanta United. Uh, thoughts on the schedule as well. We talked about it this morning on the Peachtree Post. 
what do you what do you think about the schedule? Are you excited about any elements of it? Is there anything that scares you about it? I want to hear what you think about the schedule. Uh, you have the six out of last eight home games, which I really like. You have the scary road trip early, which, you know, playing back-to-back at Seattle and at Toronto is, is definitely a concern for a young team. Um, you have the back-to-back with Orlando uh, culminating in the opening of the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, which is exciting. What are your thoughts on the Atlanta United schedule? Just what are your thoughts on the state of the club at this point? Let's open it all the way up to that. Uh, Zach Arnold on Facebook says he's very happy with the Miles Robinson edition, uh, hoping we get a central mid or left wing designated player. I think left wing is probably a better fit right now, just because Yamil Assad is either a right winger or, or a, a central mid. I think if you can add a left winger and play a lineup as it sits right now, unnamed left winger, Miguel Almiron and Yamil Assad in the middle in front of Chris McCann, Tito Vishalba on the right, Kenwin Jones up top, back line of Greg Garza, Michael Parkhurst, Zach Lloyd, or addition if they add the center back, right back of Mark Bloom, Brad Guzan and goal or Alec Kahn for a short period of time. That's what you're looking at lineup wise. Uh, I can sketch that out for you guys on Facebook. So you kind of see the way I envision it, but I see this looking a lot like a four, one, four, one. It's just an offshoot of the four, three, three that, that Tata Martino likes best. Um, it's not anything crazy. I think people get a little bent out of shape as to formations and, and lineups as to specific roles on the field. This is going to be a very fluid system. So I want to show you the way I see it kind of looking, at least from an attacking perspective. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and put Gonzalez Perez in slash Lloyd as the center back partner of Parkhurst. And I'm going to go ahead and slide in Guzan slash Khan. So for those of you on Facebook, and I know it's backwards, but you'll get the gist. I can't write backwards. That's it. Uh, Jones up top, a line of four with a designated player on the left, Almiron and Assad in the middle, Vishalba on the right, McCann, then Garza, Parkhurst, Gonzalez, Perez, or Lloyd, Bloom, Guzan, or Khan. So there you go. That's 4141 that I'm thinking will happen. Uh, if you have any questions about that, let me know. Chime in here on Facebook. Hit me up on Twitter. Joseph May asks on Twitter, does Gressel see the field in Atlanta this year? As it sits right now, and talking about that 4141, the question is where he fits. Um, is he an option up top, which is where a lot of people see him as a number nine? Yes. And Kenwin Jones, I think with his fairly recent form with the Trinidad and Tobago national team and at central FC, you know, is he a lock to be your starter every game? No, I don't think he is. And I think coming in, we knew that he would be a player who wouldn't play 90 minutes every game. So could Gressel play up top? Yes. Could he play in the midfield uh, with Almiron or Assad? Yes. Uh, 
Not sure about him wide. I'd have to see him a little bit more, but could he play out in the left? Maybe. Almiron could play out in the left. Vishalba could flip over to the left. Assad could play on the right. Assad could play on the left. Lots of options. That's how this team has been built about being versatile. If anything, Gressel fits that side of it very well in terms of a technical player who can play a lot of roles. Um, Terminus Legion is uh, converting their FIFA 17 Ultimate Team to a 4-1-4-1. Hey, I mean, that's how the 4-3-3 is going to play, I think. Um, You know, some people call that a 4-1-2-3. I think the wingers are going to be just a little deeper, and you're going to get a little more of a two-way system out of Vishalva and whoever's on the left than just being a forward, just because that's how Tata likes his teams to play. He likes players to be very fluid and, and play all over the field. So Corey on Facebook says he's extremely happy with what Eels and Bocanegra have done so far. Only misstep, in his opinion, is not holding on to Sean Johnson and waiting slash hoping for Guzan. The money difference in the two goalkeepers doesn't make up for the difference in skill. We've talked about this, and we have. Um, that would be the probably the riskiest move, is you had Sean Johnson, and lock, stock, and barrel done. He was your goalkeeper, and then you traded him, and now you have this situation where Brad Guzan is iffy to be there on opening day. Um, shame. I like Sean Johnson. I think, you know, you start looking at the dollar figure. Sean Johnson was likely going to be around a $300,000 player in 2017 and we'll know once the the numbers come out uh brad guzan will be a targeted allocation money signing which is an asset you could have used elsewhere uh he's going to eat up a lot of that tam if if sam stejkal's report from yesterday is correct in that paying a transfer fee would bump him over the the tam threshold you have to think that guzan's salary is going to be Closer to a million than closer to five hundred thousand, which is the TAM threshold. Because if a designate if a, a transfer fee would bump him over that million dollar number and bump him into designated player territory, his salary's gotta be high up there. And they've got a lot of TAM. They don't have unlimited TAM. So you're gonna use a good bit of TAM to get Guzan down under the roughly five hundred thousand dollar threshold to not be considered a designated player according to MLS purposes. I know I probably just talked over everybody's head and I think I gave myself a headache with it, but that's MLS for you. So in Sean Johnson, you would have had a player who would have fit under your cap comfortably. No questions asked with Guzan. You're going to have to use a lot of targeted allocation money to get him down to Sean Johnson's salary number. And how much of a difference is there between Brad Guzan and Sean Johnson? That will be one of the biggest questions this season in terms of judging Atlanta United's moves is comparing Sean Johnson and Brad Guzan and their play this year. Because if it's very similar, you're going to have a lot of questions. If Guzan outperforms Johnson in a lot of ways, you're going to feel good about the move. If Johnson outperforms Guzan, you're going to be upset about the move. So there you go. Uh, Corey gets me. So that's cool. Um, I think that made sense. Uh, New York, man, NYCFC has traded up again. They gave $75,000 in GAM uh, for the number 16 pick. They got Kwame Uwa, uh, who was another player who was kind of all over the map in mock drafts. Very interesting. Left-footed Canadian. Um, 
according to the YouTube feed. New York City's getting getting frisky in the in the trades. Uh, Jarrett says stands to reason it's very possible to jump back in the water. It's it's definitely possible if Atlanta United so chooses to jump back in the water. They can. There's going to be teams looking to make moves. Um, <laughs> Joseph says on Twitter that you know Tata will come to the team and say, "Okay, draw your positions out of the hat. That's where you're going to play." Makes sense. Uh, the versatility is going to be the key. Like I said, going through this lineup, you have Almiron who can fit different roles. Assad can fit different roles. Vishalba can fit different roles. McCann can fit different roles. Uh, Bloom can fit on either side in the back. You have uh, Jeff Lorenowitz who can fill different roles. You have Jacob Peterson who can play on either side. You have a number of players who can play a number of positions, and that's critical with a new team, a young team, a team that's going to have some tough road trips, a team that's going to have injuries from time to time, and a team that is going to be figuring this out as it goes. Uh, Lewis asks, when does camp open? That's going to be January 23rd at the IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida. Atlanta United will be down there for two weeks ahead of the Chattanooga friendly on February 11th. It looks like they'll be back training in Atlanta before that friendly and possibly for a few days after before heading over to Charleston for the Carolina Challenge Cup. Um, Jarrett says, are you implying hat drawing isn't going on with our new uh, right back on the national team, Mr. Zussi? It's, a, it's an American soccer tradition at this point to draw your position out of a hat. is just, that's what we do. I blame Klinsman. Eli said, uh, who else have we used TAM money on? Uh, we don't know. That's, that's the question at this point. Uh, he says Garza, Parkhurst, Jones, Assad. Those are probably the primary options for it. The only thing I've heard in those regards is Jones, that his salary would be above the designated player threshold and be bought down. Now, that could be um, general allocation money as well that could buy him down. So who knows? But Jones, when that signing was announced, the chatter was that he would be bought down under the, the DP threshold. I'm not sure on Garza or Assad. I would not expect it. Parkhurst, that would have been a massive jump in salary for him, and I don't expect that. Now, could you use some allocation money to buy them down even further to open up salary cap? Sure. But that would be general allocation, not targeted. Uh, Steven asked, if you had Donnie Toya, would you trade him for Julian Gressel? Which is essentially what happened. Um, Atlanta United picked Toya in the expansion draft, traded him for the number eight pick from Orlando, and they took Gressel with it. Straight up swap, would I, if I had Toya, would I trade him for Gressel? Yes, as it sits now, because I have Greg Garza to play left back instead of Donnie Toya. Um, and I like Mark Bloom better at my right-back option than moving somebody around. So, yes, in that vacuum of that move, I would. Um, you know, there's been a lot of that talk about, you know, okay, we, we traded Donnie Toya for a draft pick, and will it work out? You have to look the big picture here. We didn't know what would be available. We didn't know who would be available. Um, we didn't know how things would fall. It gave us the option to consider trades. Sounds like we didn't get an offer that we liked well enough, and we kept with Miles Robinson. So in the big picture, I still like the move with Toya and trading him to get an extra first-round pick. 
in just the straight up comparison between Toya and Gressel, I'm still good with it. And I'd rather have Gressel than Toya because Gressel gives you more options. Um, international player, but he gives you more options up top, out wide, and as a central midfielder. His versatility will be big. Uh, Lewis asks on Facebook, what happens in a camp when nobody has ever played together? Spend a month or so to get ready for MLS season, tight window. There's going to be lots of team building, and this is something, if you haven't seen uh, Carlos and Darren's interview with MLS Extra Time Radio uh, that was posted on the MLS Soccer site, and Dirty South Soccer also had it as well, watch that, because they talk about everything they're going to do to make this transition as comfortable as possible for players coming to Atlanta so they can focus on the soccer and not focus on all the rest of it, of finding a place to live and how to get where and this and that. They're going to do everything possible so they can focus on the field and focus on coming together as a unit. I like that they're being thoughtful in that because you've seen too many situations with MLS teams where they sign a player and the player's just on their own to figure out the city, figure out how to get the training, figure out all that stuff. It sounds like Atlanta United is using Bocanegra's experience overseas and Darren Neal's experience at Tottenham in doing this the right way. I like that. Uh, Joseph says trust falls on Twitter. Uh, we have paintball and sleepovers with s'mores. I will take all of it if it brings this group together. <laughs> um, that's going to be key. Chemistry is very, very important, and chemistry is not something you can manufacture. So this is going to be an important part of Tata's work is bringing this group together as a unit, and it's going to be a big part of training camp. And he's going to have to find the players that work well together on the field. And you might see some surprises because you might see, you know, Almiron and Assad don't click on the field. And Almiron might play better with Chris as that box-to-box midfielder and having Lorenowitz as the holding mid or Kratz or whatever. There's going to be – you're going to look for those to, – to pull a term from, from my Ricardo Montoya, one of my, my former coworkers – you're going to find, you're going to have to see Tata Martino find those little societies on the field, those little pairings that click. And it might be pairings that we don't expect. So you're going to see those players paired up near each other on the field. Uh, catch up on some comments here on Facebook. Corey says, as I almost knock over the phone. Uh, the num- so number three pick worth 250000 and 16 or 75000 both the NYCFC who just bought back 16, which they had traded to Seattle. Very aggressive on their part. Uh, NYCFC is just throwing allocation money around like it's candy. Very, very interesting. Um, Josh says Eels mentioned using the dorms at Flowery Branch. Yes, which I think Atlanta United will be at Flowery Branch in that gap between the Chattanooga up to the Chattanooga game. And then maybe before they go to Charleston, because you have the dorms at flowery branch, that's where the Atlanta Falcons players stay during their training camp. They're pretty sweet. These are like luxury apartments. They're not like college dorms. Um, Makes a lot of sense. And Lewis and Josh are on the same page. I like it. I like it. I'm training you guys. Well, uh, okay. More thoughts on Atlanta United. We're going to go up to five o'clock. It's another 20 minutes. Um, I'd like to hear where you feel this team is a, roughly a week away from training camp starting. You know, we have four games in preseason scheduled. We have the game against Chattanooga FC on February 11th, and we have the games in Charleston playing Seattle, playing Columbus, and playing the Charleston Battery. 
is that enough? You, you expect to see some scrimmages while they're in Bradenton. There goes Ja'Cory Hayes at number 18 to Dallas. I think that's a great pick for Dallas. Uh, you know, Pereja's system is somewhat similar to Tata Martino in terms of liking players who can play and are technical but also have some athleticism to them. Ja'Cory Hayes is one of those guys. I would have loved to have seen him here. But him falling all the way to 18, I think Dallas is going to get one of the possible steals of the draft there. Uh, if you want to call in, you can also call in here at 929-477-4075. I'd like to hear your comments on Twitter at Longshoe or at Peachtree underscore post. And I would like to see your comments for those of you in the Facebook Live simulcast. Seems to be very positive uh, based off Atlanta United's actions today, though. Uh, not seeing too much complaining about it. Not seeing people, you know, upset with moves. Uh, everybody seems to be very positive about the moves that were made today by Atlanta United. Miles Robinson, number two pick. He is the highest drafted player in Syracuse soccer history. Member of the U-20 national team, uh, along with Brandon Vasquez, Atlanta United forward. Um, and Julian Gressel, which was a surprise at number eight. You know, he was not projected that high coming into this and jumped all the way up to eight. I want to hear the comments from Tata, from Paul McDonough, from Carlos, from Darren about why Gressel was the number eight pick, because there were other options there that uh, a lot of people had rated higher on the mock draft. So I want to see what their thoughts were on Gressel and why he made that jump. Uh, Corey says there has to be some scrimmage games while at IMG, also possibly bringing someone into scrimmage the week at Flowery Branch. As many reps as possible, I agree. Um, it's going to be key in finding those little societies and finding those connections that click on the field. They have to play, and they have to play opponents. It's not about scrimmaging. It's not about scrimmaging and then drawing lots to see whose mom brings the orange slices. Uh, ben, other than the week, any news on the away kit? I mean, it's going to be used soon. The the word always was February on that. Uh, didn't expect it announced any sooner. The leak from everything that I've heard is legit, and that's what the kit's going to look like. So get used to it. Um, we can get into our fashion reviews all we want, but that's that's what it's going to be, it appears. So... You know, I wonder if they'll use it in preseason. I wonder if we'll announce it before those games. Uh, Chattanooga, you don't have a color clash with uh, them on their, their uniforms, so you could wear the red and black, which I think you'd like to in your first game, first somewhat official game. Uh, in Carolina, you might need to use a second kit, and that's where I would see it. Uh, Lewis says, you mentioned a few weeks back about possibly some other invites to camp beyond draft and sign players. How does that work? Uh, it, it's really how it does. It's just an invite. Um, players who are free agents, players who you are you have in on trial, um, players you're considering signing, you can bring them into your camp. You can play them in these preseason games and see how they fit. You know, right now, I think you're looking at guys out of NASL, out of USL, who aren't signed that you invite and give them it's almost like a, if you're comparing it to other sports, like a preferred walk-on spot where you take a look at them in your group, see how they fit. 
Uh, Chris Cludy right now would be one that I would absolutely invite and see if he's a fit for me. Uh, there's others. I think you're, you're looking at some depth spots with those guys outside of, you know, bringing a, an international player in to train before you make a signing. But, you know, I'm, I'm not expecting that. I'm expecting if they bring in invites, it's more of some college players who don't get drafted, some players with local ties, some players out of contract at NASL or USL. And a lot of times NASL and USL deals have an out clause if an MLS deal opens up. So you'll see a guy sign a NASL or USL deal, but then go on trial with an MLS team in preseason because they have that option. Um, I think you'll see that here. You know who that is? I don't know. Uh, Dak has a question. I'm not sure if that made if what I was saying made any sense. It, I'm getting a little loopy, maybe. Uh, could some players from Charleston be invited over in preseason early? Be invited down to Bradenton for sure. I think Michael Chang is one that we've talked about quite a bit as a wide option. Uh, Ferguson center back is another option. Um, guys that you'd want to take a look at more of an extended thing and see how they fit with the guys you already have. That's the luxury Atlanta United has compared to Minnesota and building this team. Atlanta United has a full roster right now. And, you know, the talk that has been thrown around about uh, Atlanta United doesn't have a full roster and they've got a lot of spots to fill. Atlanta United could take this roster right now into opening day and, be comfortable with it. And that's without the additions of Guzan and Gonzalez Perez and a third designated player. They have a roster. They have Academy guys who you could see signed and added as, as more homegrown. They're fine. They're looking to improve it. Now, Minnesota is the one that doesn't have enough players to travel yet. That's an issue that you don't, you can't have the same mindset coming into your preseason. If you're Minnesota as Atlanta does. Atlanta can look at a guy like Chris Clutie who had a couple good years in MLS and then has struggled in a couple of years and say, I'm going to bring him in and try him out and see if he can give me a backup option at right, left back, and possibly center back. You can take that luxury. Minnesota's looking for starters and looking for key guys off the bench, not further down the depth chart. Uh, Lewis says, you mentioned some Charleston players were not re-signed but could be signed for depth, I think. I might have misremembered. I, I think that's the Michael Chang's and Ferguson's. It could be players who are signed to Charleston now and players who are out of contract and maybe waiting to sign. You saw a lot more NASL, USL teams wait based off that whole Division II sanctioning to sign players than we've ever seen before. So it's there it's just it's a different situation this year and i think you'll see some guys who when they sign a usl deal or an nasl deal it will be contingent on not earning an mls contract and they'll sign then go on trial and then come back if it doesn't happen uh corey talking about minnesota they don't have a full roster or a kit at this point in minnesota raises some questions three months before the season starts you know, when you just start to look and compare these two, and Atlanta and Minnesota will always be compared rightly or wrongly, even though it's two completely different situations. Atlanta has a roster. Atlanta has a good bit of depth. Minnesota does not. And that's, that's a problem. That's a huge problem. Um. Some more chatter about Portland potentially signing Sebastian Blanco from San Lorenzo, former teammate of Tito Vichalba. 
it was a $3 million transfer, $1.5 million salary for him to go to Portland. Club America is supposed to be in for him as well. If you want to look at some possible options, Blanco is one who, if things fall through, could be a good fit here in Atlanta and would have that built-in chemistry with Bishalba and also Cecilio Dominguez that I mentioned from Sarah Porteño. If Club America goes to get Blanco, they might not go get Dominguez. Then Dominguez could be a fit here in Atlanta. Lots of stuff. No, no, no concrete connections between Blanco and Atlanta or Dominguez and Atlanta, but keep those guys in mind. Uh, Lewis asks, did any of the dream tryout guys get signed? No, uh, perhaps some of those guys invited to camp. Maybe. Um, I don't think that was really ever the intent of that. I mean, it was a marketing exercise. I hate to be callous about it, but it was, it was also an opportunity for, for Charleston who was involved in the dream tryouts to look at players. That's a, that's a better fit. I believe at least one of the players was invited to training camp with Charleston. if I'm not mistaken. So Brian Wright just went to New England at the number 20 pick uh, forward that some people had going higher. Josh reminds us that Minnesota has 13 players at the moment. Is that including uh, Dunlady today? Because if they still have 13, they're going to pick up a second round pick here in a minute. Eesh. That just, it really worries you if you're a Minnesota fan. Uh, to me, I'd be worried. Uh, you know, I see a lot of confidence out of some Minnesota outlets, and I'm very surprised by that because 13 players, when you look at what's going on in Atlanta, and out of those 13, you have a lot of questions. Um, Daniel Johnson says he's still in shock about being drafted and going to Chicago. Good for him. You know, it's a, another a local player who, you know, is going to get a chance to play in Chicago. Good for him. Minnesota has the first and third pick in the second round, so you'll pick up a couple guys there. But when you're counting on second-round picks to play a lot of minutes in year one, it's not a situation you want to be in because it doesn't happen very often. You know, I don't want to go through Minnesota's roster again and, and look at where it could where it can go. But outside of Calvo and Johan Venegas, the Costa Ricans, Outside of big expectations on Christian Ramirez and Miguel Ibarra, who really have not done enough to to say they're going to be elite players in MLS, what is there in Minnesota? Dunlady is a you know possible bust candidate, possible outstanding player in this league. Adrian Heath is going to have his work cut out for him in Minnesota. Uh, Lewis says, so Atlanta United will need a van driver. <laughs> Wonder where I apply. Uh, I think they hired their equipment manager. Maybe he's going to drive the van. Um, <laughs> but yes. Uh, oh, God. Josh Josh reminds me here on Facebook. They also have no goalkeepers yet. So we're talking about a goalkeeper problem with bringing a U.S. national team goalkeeper in to be available in preseason, whereas Minnesota has zero goalkeepers right now. Uh, and I don't think Sammy Injok, who was their NASL goalkeeper, is the option either. Uh, what do you do? What happens for Minnesota moving forward? I mean, you know, we've talked about Atlanta a lot <laughs> over the last uh, few months. But if you're Minnesota, how are you feeling right now? If you're a Minnesota fan, what are you thinking right now? Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, but that's the thing is Minnesota had Jeff Atanella traded him 
there's really no talk about goalkeepers in Minnesota right now, unless I'm missing it. Atlanta has had Sean Johnson and traded him, has had Clint Irwin and traded him, and is in line to add Brad Guzan, and has Alec Kahn, who is a solid backup, and has Alex Tambakis, who is a developing young goalkeeper. I think that says it all about the differences between Atlanta and Minnesota. It's just, it's two different worlds at the moment. So we're at 4.52. We're going to go up until 5 o'clock here on Facebook Live and on Blog Talk Radio. If you have any last-minute comments, last-minute questions, get them in now. Uh, If you're on the Facebook stream, get them in via the comments. If you're listening online, get them in via Twitter at Longshoe. Tweet me there. Follow me for Atlanta United News. Follow the show at Peachtree underscore post. And you can also call in with a last-minute call at 929-477-4075. Lewis asks about the handshake deal with Middlesbrough and being ignored. Is that normal? Um, Normal in the EPL. It's absolutely normal. And the difference between the Sean Johnson deal that was in place, there goes Brandon Aubrey to Toronto at 21. I think Toronto got a steal there as well. Talk about the handshake deal with Middlesbrough and Brad Guzan and the on-paper deal with Sean Johnson and Chicago ahead of the trade window. That's the difference is there was a binding deal with Chicago, and that's why Atlanta had to go ahead and acquire Sean Johnson and trade him away. Whereas Brad Guzan, you can't really have anything on paper ahead of this transfer window saying, yes, you're going to release him on this date, and he'll be available. It, it, you just can't do it. It's just not how transfers work. So if you're going to wait, you have to really wait to see what Middlesbrough is going to do. And I would assume that the conversation, because according to what I had heard and according to what some other pundits had, the Brad Guzan thing was always contingent on him being available on a free. And if you're in a situation now where Middlesbrough is like, well – we're not going to let him go on a free because we don't have a replacement. You're stuck. And that's where Atlanta United's sitting right now. They have Alec Khan. I feel like Alec Khan can be a number one. I feel like Alec Khan being a number one at this point is putting a lot of pressure on him that he might not need, but you can go that route. You have Alex Stambakis, who was a 1A with Charleston last year. Is he ready to be a number one in MLS at this point? I don't know. I would have midseason. I would have said no. After watching his development in Charleston, I'd say maybe. I think Alec Khan is closer to being an MLS number one. But is that where you want to go coming into opening day? Are you going to go in a different direction if the Brad Guzan thing falls apart? There's still goalkeepers available in Colorado with Zach McMath. Don't see being a number two in Colorado for the whole season. You have Brad Knighton and Bobby Shuttleworth in New England who have both been number ones at times. I don't see both of them and Cody Cropper sitting in New England all season. There's options out there if Guzan falls apart and you're not comfortable with Khan. But you've backed yourself into this at this point. I think you're going to do everything possible to get Guzan not at a designated player role and have him here opening day. Uh, Lewis says Darren Eels has probably used some flowery language with Middlesbrough management. It's possible. Um, it's possible Middlesbrough management used some flowery language too in, in return. They have to have somebody to replace him. 
I mean, that's just what it comes back to is they're not going to let Guzan go on a free with nobody to back him up, nobody to back up Victor Valdez. Guzan's coming off back-to-back shutouts. His his presence, his his stature is much higher in Middlesbrough than it's ever been. So they hold the cards at the moment. Uh, Corey asks, how much is an early second-round pick worth? 30000 in allocation money. Worth it to buy back in and grab Schoen. I think it's worth it to buy back to buy back in to grab Shome because he's a generation Adidas guy. If Shome is still sitting there and you can trade next to nothing to get him, I think you'd do it because he's not going to count on your cap. And he's another one of those central mids who fits in. He has professional experience. He is an eight right now, and Matt Doyle thinks he'll he'll slide back and end up being a number six. Not being on your cap, being a guy that you can control their rights, you can loan him out. He's not going to count as an international. If you can get him for next to nothing with all the allocation money you have, I, I would. I would add that asset and have him as a bargaining chip. Add, bring him into your camp, see what you got, potentially loan him out. That's where I would go with that. Um, I'm going to look up some of the 20. 16 super draft trades in the second round to see if we can get a price point. So high in the second round, um, Columbus acquired a second round selection for Adam Bedell. Uh, Bedell, I don't think even played with Orlando, Colorado and Chicago, Chicago acquired a, number 22 pick, which would have been the second pick in the second round last year. They acquired that along with a first round select. So there was some other stuff thrown in. Let's not go there. New York uh, traded their second round pick number 24 last year for Jeb Brovsky. Uh, Montreal got that. So that was a uh, possible starting level right back. Um Going a little bit further down, Vancouver uh, acquired a second-round pick for Stephen Betashore, which ended up Betashore had a great year. Columbus acquired a second-round pick in exchange for backup goalkeeper Andy Grunenbaum. So it's all over. There's not really an easy way to put value on it. Um, could you trade? You know, seventy-five thousand was a late first-round pick. Could you trade fifty? between 25 and, and 50,000 allocation money to get Shumit Shum, I would, I would do it. Toronto has the number four and five in the second round. According to Corey, it's a good, good point. They might be willing to take a few bucks in allocation. They also might be a team that'd be willing to take Shum as well with the Canadian connection. Um, he's going to stay on the board going into the round two. So I would be on the lookout if I was Atlanta United after having traded their second round pick to Colorado to get the international slot, they might look to add another one and show being generation Adidas and not being on your cap just makes it easy. It makes it an easier move. If you can get him for next to nothing in terms of allocation money, which you have a ton of, I would do it. Um, I'm going to go a little bit into extra time as I look at any other chatter as our first round has concluded uh, biggest surprise to me is still Ebabise falling to four. Others would be Ja'Cory Hayes falling all the way down to 18. Uh, Brandon Aubrey falling all the way down to the bottom of the first round. Those uh, Hayes and Aubrey, I think, will be good pros. Um, 
the five-minute break, and then Minnesota picks at the top of round two. Minnesota would be extremely smart to take Schmidt Schoem right here. That would be the smartest thing Minnesota could do to get another player off your cap. And a player who played in the NASL last year, they should know him. They played against him at SC Edmonton. Um, Wes Burdine of 55.1 says Amos McGee on the phone while Minnesota prepares for the 23rd pick. Uh, I wonder if they're, they're looking at trading. Um, anything else? I guess the other one would be Jonathan Lewis bumping all the way up to number three. That was a bit of a surprise coming in. So Atlanta United's day is done as of now. Um, Corey thinks Minnesota won't pass on Schoen with one and three in the second round unless they just don't rate him. I mean, and, and Schoen went from at one point being Matt Doyle's number eight pick to Atlanta to being off the board in the first round. And there were even some tweets saying that he's not ready to play and he wouldn't go, he wouldn't even be drafted. That's crazy. Then being off your cap and being a player that you can develop, that's an asset in of itself. So playing 26 games in NASL, and we've talked about the difference between the two and the jump from NASL to the first division. There is a jump. 26 games in NASL does not mean that you will be a star in MLS, but that's more games as a professional than just about every player in this draft. And it's surprising to me that, that Shome is not going. And Aaron Nielsen at ENB Sports on Twitter, he's a statistician uh, who gets deep into the scouting stuff, says Shome was always a concern um, about at 19 and non-cap Z, but at 19 years old and non-cap generation Adidas contract has the ability of being better than most first round picks. That's how I feel about him as well. If, if I could trade up and get him, throw some allocation money to get a spot, I would definitely consider it if I'm Atlanta United. Uh, I wonder how they rated Shom based off his work at the Combine. Uh, Zeko Lewis told the crowd that he was shocked he wasn't taken earlier. Nice. Um, curious to see how that that plays over with everybody. Uh, any final questions? Any final comments? Love to hear it. Corey says unlimited value based on what you just said. Yeah, I would I would like to trade up to get Schmidt Schoem if I could. Um, I think he's going to end up being a solid pro. Just not sure on where he's going to go. Um, that looks it really not seeing anything in terms of Atlanta possibly moving up, not seeing any chatter about anybody moving around in the second round as it sits right now. Not seeing it. So Atlanta as of now is bringing miles Robinson to the city is bringing Julian Gressel to the city. Uh, both could be depth. Either is a star near one. Both could be loaned and be players that you see develop in Charleston or whoever the USL affiliate is. Both nice pieces. Uh, Gressel is the bigger question just because there's questions about where he projects in MLS. Is he a forward? Is he a central mid? Is he a winger? Not sure yet. Uh, Robinson, great pickup. That was the one I liked all along. And 
and I'm glad to see it happen. I think Miles Robinson could be an Atlanta United fixture for a decade if things go right. So with that, without any other news breaking as I start to sign off, uh, I'm going to call it a day. Thanks to everybody who has listened in on Blog Talk Radio. Thanks to everybody who followed along on the Facebook live chat. We've had lots of people in there all day, lots of comments, lots of questions. As things happen, if you have any questions, if you have any comments, don't hesitate to throw them at me on Twitter at Longshoe. Uh, hit us up at Dirty South Soccer at Dirty South Sock SOC. The show, Peachtree Post, we're live every Friday morning at 10 o'clock with some potential expansion options that we'll let you know about soon. Uh, follow that show at Peachtree underscore post. Josh, thanks for listening. Thanks for joining in. I, I appreciate your support as always. Um, with that, I'm going to call it a day. I'll see you all next time. Have a good one. Mucha plata. <laughs>